0: Good evening everybody and welcome to Jaybird Watching. We are back after a little bit of an extended stay. I am Craig Borden here. Brendan Panikar, my friend. What is going on?
1: Not much, man. Good to hear you're feeling better or else we would have uh, done this on uh, what's seeming to become our normal Monday, but uh, it also feels nice to be back on the regular Wednesday.
0: Yeah, we had a nice little turnout on Monday. I think we got to keep our fans happy and maybe try pushing that schedule, but we'll see how it goes. And um, I'm just glad that everybody's listening, and we're looking good. And it's in a busy
1: time season, too, right now. It is, with the Raptors going into Game 3 tonight and tied 1-1. And, and, uh, yeah, in the Stanley Cup Finals going on, there's a whole lot of other stuff to watch than this pretty bad Blue Jay team in the month of May and the beginning of June, but... uh, yeah, what did we get? Like, 107 or 110 listens last, uh, last episode with Jason Lee? It was really impressive. Yeah. And thank you all for
0: listening. Yeah, wasn't quite back up to where we were before all the Maple Leafs and <laughs> Raptors pandemonium, but I'm happy with all of the listens that we have had, and we're hoping that we can get some more with some of these uh, you know voice message things that you can do with us now if you grab the Anchor.fm app on your phones, hit Bird Watch and Brendan, and we can get our fans to ans- ask us some questions, and we'll air them right here on the show.
1: Yeah, I think maybe we do a big push where uh, maybe two weeks uh, ahead of recording, we really push it on social, getting people to send in their questions and their comments, and we just do an episode answering everybody's questions. I think that would be a lot of fun, so do it. Yeah, the voice chat,
0: <laughs> free game, or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> so I think it would be fun. I think that's a really cool idea, and we'll play around with that, fans. And uh, make sure you keep following us on that Twitter account. At some point, we're going to find here after the Raptors uh, you know, season hopefully ends in victorious fashion, and I'm thinking it will. But we're going to have another live game, and hopefully we'll find somewhere good to do that. Or worst case, Brendan, I'm starting to think that I have a couple weekends in August that I'm going to make my way up with my either myself or the family and we will have some shenanigans at the ballpark
1: absolutely that would be a lot of fun to do especially uh getting up into toronto or coming down to buffalo for for a bison's game there's a whole bunch of different options yeah
0: and speaking of bison's i had to crush pizza for the first time after being sick all weekend tonight in (laughs) honor of the buffalo wing game tonight
1: that's right i saw the whole bison's twitter account change over to buffalo wings it's uh a kind of a cool and interesting little thing that they've started. And what, did that start for the first time last year, maybe two years ago? This whole um, yeah. minor league baseball
0: thing in New York has kind of done this food binge throughout the minor leagues. Um, the Buffalo Bisons turning into the Buffalo Wings. The Rochester Red Wings do the garbage plates because that's the signature food here in Rochester, New York. And for the <laughs> drunken jerks like we are, I guess, um, if you are not aware where the garbage plate is, the best holy trinity of food you can have at you know the crack of dawn while you're still drunk hot (laughs) hot dogs or hamburger over macaroni uh salad and um home fries it's delicious (laughs) that
1: that doesn't sound like a garbage plate that sounds like heaven
0: (laughs) it looks like a garbage plate but that's why it's called (laughs) it It is so much better than it looks (laughs) <laughs> but anyway oh. then they, uh, the Syracuse do the salt potatoes, the Binghamton do speedy chicken is what they call their thing down there so it's really cool that they've done some cool promotional stuff here in New York to kind of bring the teams together across, across the throughway so,
1: yeah, I just trying to promote the cities a little bit more with some of the food they offer, I actually really like that idea, good on them
0: yeah, it is good on them and everybody knows Buffalo Wings at this point so that, that merchandise is flying off the shelves here in Buffalo and they're actually doing pretty good <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, if you don't know what a buffalo wing is, and um, buffalo wing sauce, then uh, yeah, I don't know what to tell you, you're living under a rock. I found
0: buffalo wings in Australia
1: when I went two years ago. <laughs> yeah, everywhere, man, it's everywhere, man. global. Oddly <laughs> enough, the
0: guy that ran the place that was called Buffalo Bob's was actually from Buffalo, New York, and I got to talk Buffalo Bills with him for a while. I was ah. insane, like, what did you do over here? I'm like, oh. did the Bills playing so bad for so long, just make you leave. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Wanted he to goes, get no, out no, no. to
1: get away from the bill. Uh, poor guy. <laughs>
0: but it was good stuff. But anyways, I think we got to talk some good stuff before we dive into the oh my god what has happened here. Um, today is marking the 30th anniversary of the Sky Dome, now named Rogers Center. To people in my age group in the 30 and older, <laughs> it will always in my heart be known as the Sky Dome. And I just remember as a kid, running and driving up. And you see the dome and the, in the uh, tower, like miles, kilometers, crazy amount of distance away from the city when you're coming in. And it's like that jewel of just knowing there's something fun coming at the end of the evening.
1: Yeah, you know, man, and same for me, just driving in from a little bit north of the city up in Thornell. But uh, yeah, that's hidden behind all these condos now that keep on going up. It feels like new condos pop up every single day around this area. So it's a little more hidden. But once you get into the city and you see that big dome, you know you're in for What's hopefully a treat.
0: Yeah, and um other than the you know, them having to have their own mascot and domer <laughs> there's been <laughs> plenty of good things that have happened at the Skydome over the years and in the thirtieth anniversary, I don't know if anybody has subscriptions to the Athletic or not, but Caitlin McGrath put together a great piece that shows some of the great highlights of things that have happened. Even baseball, outside of baseball, whatever it might be that have happened inside the walls of the Rogers Center. And in the midst of that, it's been everything from bat flips to parrot walks, <laughs> Bautista hitting the yeah. 50th home run, um, no hitters, near no hitters, concerts, football, Grey Cup. <laughs> this, That's that, right. This is endless. I remember Love going up a couple, about... 10 years wow. ago from one of the first Buffalo Bills games at the Rogers Center.
1: Yeah, man, that's uh, one thing people tend to forget. is, Even though it wasn't that long ago, the Argonauts were still playing at the uh, at the Sky Dome and Rogers Center until the end of the 2015 season, so it really isn't that long ago that the Argos were still there. But uh, I haven't read the piece yet. I do have my subscription to the Athletics, but from everything that I've heard, it sounds incredible. And Greg Brady yesterday, who hosts, a uh, good sh- or not good show. Um, the starting lineup in the morning on 590 put together a thread yesterday that went wouldn't call it viral, but people were contributing their top ten moments and a lot of baseball threaded in there. A few concerts, football, as you said. They've even played soccer games. They hosted the 2009 World Baseball Classic too, when Canada played the United States, and what was one of my favorite baseball games I've ever been to. So for me. First ever time going in there, 1997, Eastern Final between the Argos and the Montreal Alouettes. And that's what started my uh, obsession with the CFL. And then baseball followed just a few years later.
0: Yeah. My first game was back in 1991. And it was the year, obviously, of the All-Star Game peak performance of the ballpark, right? (laughs) And they were selling out everything. Yeah. I remember my parents, they were telling me when, you know, know, recently-ish, they had to buy those tickets almost a year in advance. And I got to see the Blue Jays take on the Chicago White Sox with uh, Jack McDowell on the mound for the White Sox. But that was in the peak of the resurgence of Blue Jay baseball and Chicago White Sox baseball. You had Alomar and Carter on one side, and then you had like Lance Johnson and Frank Thomas and Harold Baines on the other side. It was a hell of a ball game, and the Blue Jays just squeaked the one out that I did on a little Nubbler <laughs> by Kelly Gruber <laughs> that scored the, thir- the fifth run of the game for the Blue Jays, but hell of a game! I couldn't believe it. But it, I know yeah. you've seen some epic things. But in general, in Blue Jays baseball, things that happened at home in Blue Jays history, what is your peak thing, my friend?
1: I'm gonna leave out the bat flip and Ed Edwin's uh, wild card because obviously uh, wild card walk off against Baltimore. So obviously, those would be for everybody. So I kind of want to diversify it a little bit to be experiences that maybe not everybody experienced. Uh, I saw, I showed up in the third inning, it was either the third or the fourth inning, of Verlander's no-hitter back in 2011. So I say I saw a no-hitter, but (laughs) I didn't see the full thing. So luckily last year, funny enough, this guy's pitching tonight for the Yankees, James Paxton. I was at his no-hitter last year. Against Seattle. So I guess that kind of seemed two no hitters, one full one from beginning to end. Um, I saw Dustin McGowan's almost no hitter. It was a one hitter uh, against Colorado, I believe, back I was in at that game like, too. I didn't even know that. Yeah. It's crazy. It <laughs> was, was in and, the it, 500 it, it, level in the left field like, right where the foul pole is.
0: Yeah. I yeah I was, me and my uh, friend is a Colorado Rockies fan, drove up for the day.
1: Oh, that, was, that game was so great. Sunday afternoon really warm outside school was almost done. I think I was in grade eight, maybe grade seven at the time. So it was getting close to the beginning of summer. But yeah, that was uh, a game I won't forget. It was probably one of my favorite games I've ever been to, but uh, I will say probably my top non blue Jays. uh, One is that 2009 world baseball classic game between Canada and the United States. Jake Peavy, I believe started for um, the United States and Mike Johnson, some pitcher who I don't even know if he had a cup of coffee in the big leagues. I think he was pitching for an independent ball in Edmonton at some point. Uh, I don't even know where he is from, but he started that game and somehow only gave up four runs over, I think, three or four innings and kept Canada in it. So, yeah, I remember that. and Joey that, was that kind game, of. Joey now that you Votto. mentioned that.
0: That was an epic
1: game. Yeah, Joey Votto's coming out party. He had a great game, and he homered uh, off PV early in the game they ended up losing 6-5 but man that would have been something if canada won that because the first world baseball classic when canada beat the u.s it was like wow that's uh canadian baseball is not all that bad
0: no and it's um i if anything that's gone on in the to the, the major league draft debate last few days you're only seeing that talent floor go higher and higher and higher but we'll get to that in just a moment I want to call out a couple fun things from uh, the article I was alluding to a moment ago that are not baseball events. Did you know the highest grossing event at the Rogers Center slash Skydome has actually been WrestleMania twice?
1: What? Oh, get out of here. (laughs) 67,678
0: fans to see the first WrestleMania that was in Toronto in the Ultimate Warrior slash Hulk Hogan era. And according to Caitlin McGrath, the second one had 68,237 fans in the ballpark. Wow.
1: That's uh, quite Slightly nuts. (laughs) Yeah,
0: just Slightly. So, one I mean, the other funny things that I thought was on here, apparently J.K. Rowling was reading freaking Harry Potter books to a bajillion freaking screaming Harry Potter fans in the Rogers Center in 2000.
1: <laughs> that I didn't know either. That is actually really, really I don't cool. know where the hell she pulled that one from. <laughs> right? Like, did she go on tour across North America and just go to all these stadiums to read Harry Potter? It's actually pretty cool. I love Harry Potter, but still, seems a little weird. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's something you wouldn't think would be a for a you know 50,000-seat venue. <laughs> so but just to give the tip of the iceberg for what's going on in that article i don't want to tease too much but then the most recent history we were actually seeing the guy that did it on the mound tonight against the toronto blue jays and that is the james paxton no hitter from last may
1: yeah that game was uh kind of shitty to be at from the fact they got no hit but also that was the first game or, or sorry that morning the blue jays found out that roberto osuna was uh arrested for alleged domestic violence and domestic assault which i'm sure that was actually the case i say alleged because it was never actually proven mm-hmm. but uh just the mood in the ballpark was just you could tell it was just like kind of in in shock that they found out as that happened to roberto osuna and i'm assuming it was his girlfriend or or uh maybe baby mama but still <laughs> it was uh it was uh yeah it was uh cool to see no-hitter, but at the same time, it wasn't the greatest to be there given the circumstances.
0: Still the first Canadian to throw a no-hitter. Pretty cool, and he did it in Canada.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's uh, It was quite poetic.
0: Yeah, and no offense to him or anything, but I'm glad that as of this game being started tonight that he is not repeating that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Richick made that made sure that wasn't going to happen quite early in the game. <laughs>
0: Somebody is getting sneaky Somebody streak finished. going right now. Two home runs in two days, and on a after the one yesterday, I don't know. If you, I'm sure you saw the highlight at least. The Angel Martinez fun that <laughs> is going on. Yeah, Angel Hernandez. I fun. saw. I,
1: I I was at the game yesterday, and I, I I was out in the flight deck, so I didn't see how bad it actually was. It wasn't until after the game that I got home and I was falling asleep, just going through Twitter. What a crap call that was! So, I mean, thank you, Angel Hernandez, that helped the Jays win. But uh, yeah, that uh, was quite bad.
0: But as far as Angel Hernandez go, that is nothing new to Blue Jays fans for all the random tosses and missed strike calls and terrible things over the years and playoff eliminations. <laughs> it's just what else could go wrong? But now it's I just think it's hilarious. It's getting blown even more out of proportion just because the Yankees are the ones bitching and not us as Toronto Blue Jays. Huge change.
1: <laughs> <laughs> for chain.
0: Exactly. So I'm just going to say, you, are, you earned it, Yankee fans. I'm sorry. It's been a long time coming. If this is the first time, you are just realizing that this guy probably shouldn't be umpiring baseball games anymore.
1: <laughs> and he's not even on the crew tonight. They were thinking maybe he got suspended for how bad that call was, but they were saying on the broadcast that he's actually replacing, uh, in an emergency role, an umpire in the New York Mets series, so he's actually doing the Mets game tonight, which... Part of me thinks that's complete BS, just to get him away from all the players and how bad that was. But uh, you never know; maybe it's actually true.
0: If they were doing that, they wouldn't have not. They wouldn't have sent him to New York,
1: <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> you send
0: him anywhere else in Major League Baseball, you don't turn around and send him to the town that's literally pissed at him at the moment.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, Worst the where the, uh, ever. Yeah, <laughs> uh, at least he's in the stadium where uh, where the uh, other team would made him. So, yeah.
0: They're probably cheering him on.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Try to screw over the Yankees. Yeah, good
0: deal. So, seeing we're on the topic of tonight's um, information anyways, I know you have a uh, keen uh, wanting to talk about this, but in the before we – how did we get here moment, stuff that we're going to get to, Teoscar Hernandez is starting in center field tonight after being called. Yeah.
1: Back. Yeah, man. I, I don't understand why. Like – if that was the case, there's people pointing out on Twitter, and I fully agree with them, if you are putting Teoscar in center and he's going to be there for the next little while, why did you lock up Randall Gritchik and pay him all that money for the next few years? Because you figured he'd be your center fielder. Maybe they're just giving people test runs out there. You had Jonathan Davis playing a lot of center and Gritchick back and right. Gritchik hasn't looked terrible but he tends to miss read-line drives in center field. And he's already said he feels more comfortable in right, but I don't know, it's weird. I really don't understand what they're trying to accomplish, but I don't know, Teoscar looked a little bit better, at least offensively, in Buffalo and uh, got off to a good start tonight, so we'll see how it happens. But it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Yeah, the
0: atypical things for Teoscar Hernandez's line in Buffalo did not change. The strikeouts were still enormous compared to his walks. 21 of them to be precise in 19 games. Uh but he did um find his offense as far as around those strikeouts he was actually being a productive member of the team. So like I said 19 games, drove in 11 runs, uh also scored 11 runs while hitting a triple and five home runs. So the bat looks like it's resurged a little bit. So hopefully the other things kind of continue to evolve in a young player that we still seem to forget that he is a young player. But I agree, the center field thing, this seems like the biggest curveball on the planet. And the only possible explanation I can come from, yes, center field is one of the hardest positions in Major League Baseball to play, but compared to right and left field, the ball is typically coming straight at you or slicing in a downward fashion, not uh, to the right or to the left which is you can see a big contributor in some of those things from Teoscar Hernandez over the uh, you know, his tenure in right and left field.
1: Those ones yeah, that tends so to I've, kick anyway. Yeah, and those ones always gave him trouble, the ones that were just slicing away from him. They never seemed to judge where it was going and where it was bouncing. So I could, that definitely could have some merit to it. It's just uh, I would like to know a little bit more of the organization's thought process, especially when you locked up Gritchik got rid of Pilar. even though Pilar was likely going to be gone anyways. And I guess maybe they're giving Tiasco a run in center for the next little while until maybe Anthony Alford, who's quite hot in Buffalo the last few weeks, uh, gets up here and takes over in center. They're just maybe trying to figure out who's going to be there uh, to start in 2020. But, uh, yeah, it's a little odd to me.
0: Yeah, and to put that into perspective with the Alford comment, he is batting 300 over his last 10 games and has ro- risen his uh, batting average from t- even 200, basically, over those 10 games to 216 going into tonight. So he's definitely been doing a lot better at the plate. Strikeouts are still a little suspect, but they are definitely down compared to where he's been in the 60 strikeouts through 47 games. <laughs> the ratio is a lot better over the last 10 games than it was earlier on in the season.
1: Yeah, I, I think we all know that that kind of stuff is exactly what you're going to see from Teoscar Hernandez throughout his whole Major League career. It sucks because for a little while there, it was looking like he could be a cornerstone in the outfield. I mean, there were the naysayers because of the strikeouts and the ability to not really walk, but it is was 75 at-bats, 253, an OBP, 313, 5 homers, 11 dingers, or 11 RBI. would not be surprised if when he is up here for good for a full season, that that ends up being right around his contribution level, 250, low OBP, and he can tr- contribute with, like, 20 to 30 dingers in a good year. So thats uh, I don't think he's going to turn into the guy everybody ho- was hoping he would be.
0: Well, and in the midst of all that... <laughs> We are in the week that the Blue Jays are hopefully starting to show some of the cards on where they could be developing players into as the Major League Draft has occurred as of Monday and continues to go as we are recording this show. Um, Blue Jays, honestly, I think, Brennan, we are looking pretty good through this draft so far as far as great rigging in some good talent and some needed positions.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and that was uh, actually a killer segue, by the way. I know, right? Yeah, <laughs> that was One of our better ones. Yeah, absolutely. I was one of our better ones. It was really good, but uh, <laughs> I couldn't agree with you more. I think a lot of people are quite happy with the way the draft has gone so far. I mean, I, I, I was talking about this last night with my buddy, who so I was at the game at with, and for the most part, you see teams, and the Blue Jays have stuck to this: is you draft middle infielders so you can play short. You draft catchers, and you draft pitchers, and you can dra- and you draft center fielders, which for the most part is exactly what they've done. Because if you're a middle infielder, there's a good chance you could probably play second base, maybe third, or even go over to first. Or there's a chance that you can play in the outfield because you're athletic enough. So build from the middle of the diamond, catcher, second and short, and in center, and then you can fill out your roster the rest of the way through there, and then obviously take as many pitchers as you possibly can. But, man, they, uh, they went full out with uh, the top two pitchers they took in the draft and Alec Manoa and Kendall Williams.
0: Yeah, and there is definitely a certain theme to one particular position, and I think it shows where this current state of the franchise is the most. The Blue Jays have literally used over half of their picks on arms. <laughs> None of those, well, only other than the first two picks... Um, out of their first t- or top ten picks, anyway, two of those picks were used on pitchers. Pretty much everything after that, there was a pitcher being picked. <laughs> yeah. So, but I think fans need to get excited about Alex Manoa, and I think I agree. it's going to be coming soon. And this kid, honestly, from all the video I've watched on him, he just strikes me as. A big kid, it's fiery and wants to go out there and you know win ball games. It's like a monster version of Marcus Stroman, and by monster I mean six foot six, two eighty.
1: <laughs> yeah, man, oh, he's exciting. And somebody retweeted it onto my timeline um, after they drafted Manoa on Monday, saying that I be- he saw I was either on fan graphs or somewhere else. I think one projection website kind of thing already has manoa uh, two pitches where he has a 65 out of 80 grade which is pretty crazy uh and a starters command so if you have two pitches that are that good already when you're coming out of college uh at west virginia and you have starters command there's probably a very good chance that you will be able to rise through the uh through the organization quickly and be a starter within the next two to three years after he's been drafted. And they already said today they're going to start him off on the uh, in Vancouver for a cup of coffee before he gets moved up to the next level, but he's going to follow the exact same progression as Nate Pearson. So that is actually kind of exciting for Vancouver fans, getting to see Manoa for a little while, just like they did Nate Pearson. But, uh, yeah, I think he's going to rise quite quickly.
0: Yeah. And in all shocking value, I don't think the Blue Jays really expected Alex Alec Manoa to be there for this pick at pick number eleven in the first round. I'm honestly kind yeah. of shocked that he slid.
1: Me too. And he was uh he was the first pitcher taken, so they had the uh they could take any pitcher that they wanted off the board at number eleven and they landed on Manoa, so he obviously was their highest graded pitcher available at the time. So uh yeah, I think they, I think in, in, in I think everybody would agree they got the best pitcher possible in the draft, and that should excite people because they just continue to add to the talent of young pitchers who are lower in the organizations in Double A and Single A, and Manoa just adds to that. It's great.
0: And it, that's adding a heck of a compliment for what could be a rotation, which we're seeing a very good performance from Trent Thornton this evening, who has been on a very good trend. You got somebody like him that's going to solidify the lower end, probably of the bullpen or the rotation. But then we have Nate Pearson, Sean Reed Foley, all these other guys. Ryan Berukey is going to come back and be Ryan Berukey. Eric Bardino. <laughs> you know, this yeah. is a very exciting young rotation that is brewing, and it could start hitting as early as next year.
1: I agree, and you know what? That makes a trade of Sanchez, even though he has next to no trade value right now because of his ongoing finger issues, but a trade of Strowman a little easier to swallow. This Issues a write-off, man. I mean, we all know that, and I think we're going to dive into that in a bit. But uh, <laughs> you got to maximize the at- the tradable assets you have, and Strowman is one of the two or maybe three legitimate trade assets that they have. So you know, what? it's a lost year. There's kids coming. There's people starting to put it together in AA, uh, like Yandy Diaz and Patrick Murphy. So it's, uh, I think it's a little easier uh, to swallow a Marcus Stroman trade after, uh, after June. Uh, it could, he could be traded this month. I, I fully would expect that if he is dealt. But uh, yeah, there's a, there's a talented wave of pitching prospects in this organization. That uh, Unfortunately, the kids a little more advanced haven't taken that step forward in AAA, but the guys below that are very, very exciting.
0: So we got a wild card for our wild second card. pick right now, but if he ends up signing instead of going to Vanderbilt, uh, Kendall Williams could be in that same conversation as Alec Manoa. He's a very, very talented uh, high school senior. He's, he's going to only be 19 by the time he really starts playing Major League Baseball here, or you know, professional baseball. But wow, has this kid got some pop, and I'm very he excited does, to see yeah. where his arm goes.
1: Me too. He's tall. He's six six, just like Manoa. Manoa's big at 260, but this guy's 205. So he's got a he's got a pretty electric arm, from what I hear. But he's a, a Vanderbilt commit. Uh, it seems pretty firm. So the Blue Jays are going to have to I'll probably offer him above slot value. Uh, at which point, right now, on MLB.com's draft tracker, says the pick value is one point four oh million. My guess is they're going to have to go above that, maybe into closer to $2 million, uh, to maybe convince Williams to not go to Vanderbilt and come into the organization. But uh, yeah, if they are able to sign him, then they just added two really, really good pitchers into the organization. I think his commitment to Vanderbilt scared teams from taking him. And we saw last year with Adam Klopfenstein, who was uh, a commit. I can't remember where he was committed to, but uh, Klopfenstein ended up signing with the Blue Jays as well. And if teams weren't so scared of Klopfenstein's commitment last year, Blue Jays probably wouldn't get him. So they, the front office, I applaud them for it. They are not scared to take risks on guys who they think they can sign. Uh, and if they do, they just added some great talent to the organization.
0: Yeah, and for a guy that really hasn't committed either way other than, you know, doing the signing stuff with Vandy. um, Kendall Williams tweeted out something a little interesting right after his pick. And I quote, beyond blessed to be given the opportunity to play for such a great organization, ready to get to work. That's a little different leading than the quote-unquote 50-50 that (laughs) it made it sound like. Yeah,
1: man. And Manoa looked very excited, too, to become a Blue Jay. And he was already making Drake tweets and jokes. And I think Kendall Williams did as well on his Instagram with his siblings, it looked like, uh, on the Instagram post I saw. So, yeah, they both seem to be excited to be Toronto Blue Jays, and, uh, and uh, they should be. It's a great, great organization. Uh, and now, with the fact that they've, uh, they've uh, increased minor league salaries by 50%, Why wouldn't you want to come play for this organization? They'll treat you well. They'll make sure you get to the big leagues, and they'll give you good coaching throughout every single stop. And uh, it's a great city. So I'm glad to see that they're excited. (laughs) That's right. This organization is in a state of transition. Anybody can get hot and come up at some point in the upper minors, and if you're really good in the lower minors, you'll move pretty quickly. You've seen already. They're not afraid to move people through the system rapidly.
0: And then we have guys that played for the Canadian baseball team. <laughs> yeah. Vincent Brown of uh, Oakville, Ontario, man. That's a heck of a That's steal, I think, at the third round, 88th overall. This kid's got some speed, and that could turn into a very nice outfielder.
1: Yeah, man. And our buddy who we had on, I think it was about a month ago now, or three episodes ago, Richard Burfer, who scouts, uh, but is also obviously from the area. I believe he was telling me after they drafted him that he played with Desan Brown, and um, has seen him play, has scouted him, and says that hey, his speed is legit. It's one—he's one of the fastest guys who was drafted uh, in this draft. Uh, but he has a bat that could come, and if it does, he could be—he could rise through the system quite quickly as well. I know he's just coming out of high school, so he'll have a little bit of a ways to go. But if that bat develops, then. Richard was saying, you can look at a Jonathan Davis type who can actually hit a little bit more at the major <laughs> league level. And if that's the case, first outfielder at the worst, if not, you can be an elite defender in center and bring that element of speed the Blue Jays really haven't had forever. Yeah, and if he does fill out,
0: he's going to have some pop that'll play really nice to those gaps in the Rogers center.
1: Oh, absolutely. It's great.
0: Those legs will hit the ground and run, man. <laughs> Um, and then the Blue Jays' fourth pick that, um, honestly, I'm a little um, excited about. You know, he's a college grad that, or a college player that has a chance to have some plus pop in the majors. And if he's going to end up playing in the American League East with the Blue Jays, Will Robertson from uh, the Cretan Blue Jays, funny enough. So he won't have to change the logos too much.
1: <laughs> yeah, oh, he uh, goes from one Blue Jays to another Blue Jays. So well, he was drafted by the twins last year. He didn't sign. So he went back into the draft this year. And uh, I have the tweet up here. Uh, a guy named at Tom Musa, who's from Iowa city, Iowa said Toronto just got a personal favorite of mine to watch all year. Will Robertson out of Creighton. This is my report on the kid. I retweeted it. We'll retweet it on Jaybird watching for you to take a look at. Cause it's a little bit of a lengthy uh, report done by Tom Musa, but There were some people saying that this could be one of the bigger steals in the draft. kid has got power, built like a tank, so it's exciting to get him in the fourth round, and uh, the Twins were pretty bummed they didn't get him locked up last year, so thank you, Minnesota, for not getting it done, because he's now in the Blue Jay organization, assuming he signs.
0: Yeah, and I'm um, looking forward to seeing the guy that apparently they're comparing him to here in Rochester in the next probably year or two, Trevor Lochner. Or Larnak, I mean. <laughs> so a couple, <laughs> couple year ago, College World Series uh, hero, man. So there's plenty of things to be excited about here um, as, with the Blue Jays draft. There's plenty of more stories. Uh, we're not going to get into all of them here as we're trying to keep this as a, you know, hurry up and get this done so everybody can go listen to the Watch the Raptors. <laughs> <laughs> we're doing but, you all a favor. <laughs> so this, um, like we were saying, the common thread throughout the draft was the fact that and I think Atkins said it the best here, that we are trying to find pitching help. I think that's a blatant, obvious statement when you're looking at this uh, draft class. And it doesn't sound like there's many reinforcements on the way, at least via free agency, Brendan.
1: No. yeah, uh, It makes you think why they weren't a little bit more aggressive in free agency at the beginning of the year or uh, during the offseason. But at the same time, they weren't planning on Ryan Barucki missing to what he said today, probably ready in a month. So you're looking at probably after the all-star break that Ryan Barucki gets on the mound in Toronto. Um, They weren't planning, obviously, on Matt Shoemaker tearing his ACL, but... You could probably make an argument that they would were expecting Shoemaker to likely get hurt at some point because he's been injury-prone, but a fluke injury in Matt Shoemaker. And Clayton Richard, too. Richard was supposed to be at the back end of the rotation. He's pitched well in his four innings and four and two-thirds last night uh, in his three starts so far since coming off the injured list. But there's three guys that you penciled in right behind Marcus Stroman and Aaron Sanchez that got injured, are done for the year, uh or were injured at the start of the year and are only starting to come back now. So yeah, your your pitching death is exposed. But at the same time, I think that they were expecting a guy like a Sean Reed Foley or maybe even a Jacob Waughis pack who's on the IL already. Uh we're gonna take some steps forward down in uh Buffalo. Or you can make the same argument for uh Hector Perez who they got in the Roberto Asuna and Ken Giles trade. So I do think they may have misjudged it a little bit, but at the same time, they get a little bit of a pass because obviously you can't project these injuries that occurred to them so far.
0: Yeah, and I it, I never thought a million years Brocky was going to be gone after all the original reports either. So, but he'll be back, and yeah, <laughs> it's just going to be how it is. Unfortunately, I think for the Blue Jays fans on the pitching mound, at least for the rest of the season. You're going to have to get used to Edwin Jackson, people. I'm sorry. I know.
1: I am very sorry. I'm going to the game tomorrow night with Sarah, my girlfriend, and it's going to be our second time seeing Edwin Jackson, so we're not overly thrilled about that. (laughs) Well, hopefully
0: at least it looks like the offense is starting to pick up, and hopefully the Yankees' bats stay at the lukewarm that they've looked at this whole series so far and even into the game so far this evening. Um, I do have to touch on one thing I actually forgot to talk about here a minute ago as we were talking about how classy this organization is, Brendan, and what the Toronto Blue Jays should be you know, pushing as far as, hey, you've got to come play for us instead of going to college,
1: right? <laughs> I know exactly where you're going with this.
0: <laughs> 32nd round draft pick goes to Brayden Holiday.
1: Amazing, Amazing. How
0: fitting that they use that number. I, there, there's plenty yeah. of picks. I know people. You got to know that there's. I think they're up to round forty as we are recording this show. So that's not like they. there wasn't a throwaway pick at the end that you used to
1: <laughs>
0: for a charity thing for a kid. This is a legit pick that they decided to use on Brayton Holiday. Classic, classic. Yeah.
1: So great, and he's obviously still very young, born in 2000. And Atkins said it was definitely a legacy pick. They did that at 32. He was available. It was his dad's number, obviously, when he was a Blue Jay. And I don't know if Halliday will sign here. He seems pretty committed to Penn State. He's young. He's still got a lot of development to do. He's six three, one fifty, So he's quite a wiry and skinny kid. But uh, if he signs and comes into the organization, they've been very successful with drafting uh, players who have uh, bloodlines. Uh, like their fathers or their grandfathers being in the big leagues at some point, so it's awesome. It honestly, I'm pretty sure, it brought tears to a few people's eyes in uh, in Blue Jay Twitterland, and definitely made me feel emotional and very happy. Uh, it's great to see. It's definitely uh, an ode to the holiday family.
0: I'm a little of a clump to actually thinking about it. We need a new topic. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right, buddy. It's a very happy moment.
1: <laughs> but
0: I, I just think this goes to what the Blue Jays have been saying that this is a great place for t- young, talented players to come and develop. This is a great another reason to all the other points that we were just pointing out with the minor league salary being bumped up and all that kind of stuff. You are honoring a Blue Jay legend by just going, "We want your son to play here." <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just insane that, and I I, I pretty much heard that is a hundred percent sure that he's going to Penn State to do his college uh, performance and work and all that kind of good stuff. But if all of a sudden this slips, this could be one of the coolest things on the planet where he wants to come play for Toronto instead of going to college. So I hope all the best for the Halliday family and Braden, obviously, and his Major League Baseball aspirations. But I, do, would, I would kill to see him in a Toronto uniform at whenever he does make it to the show.
1: Yeah, me too. I, I think he probably will go to Penn State. I think that's probably what he should do. He does still have a lot of growing to do as, uh, as an athlete, probably as a person as well. But, uh, and he's ca- he is Canadian. People forget about that. He was born in Toronto. Um, so it's a very sentimental pick. And uh, so It's very classy of the organization, and they're showing time and time again that they really, truly care about this organization, this city, and this country. It's very nice to see.
0: It's good, good stuff. So anyway, Brendan, so we've talked about the draft picks. We've talked about the dome. We've talked about Teoscar in center field. So how did we get to this record that we're at now, my friend? This is one of those things where we had a little bit of a lead up 10 to April. And then May ugh, is about the only way of explaining it.
1: <laughs> uh, I think they're missing you in the city because when you came to Toronto for Vlad's debut, They two days later, after you had left, got back to 500, and since then it's just been a train wreck. So, I think you have to come back.
0: Did you just call out your co host as it's all my fault?
1: I did, (laughs) you're such a prick. I did,
0: (laughs) but anyway, no, I I, it's been pretty much since that whole Vladdy debut that this team, you know, we saw the sweep in Oakland. And it kind of looked like we were trending upward. The pitching was going good. The hitting was coming around. This was good. This was that. There was so many things to be excited about. And then all of a sudden, the hamster fell off the wheel, died, got shot, and buried 10 billion feet up below the ground, it seems. Um, Until (laughs) last night's game, there was not a ton to be excited about going on with this team. And I honestly was shocked that we were able to pull out game one against the New York Yankees with how good they've been
1: playing. Yeah, me too. You know, I think the big thing that really started to derail them was the Shoemaker injury. I think people would agree the rotation was pitching so well at the beginning of the year. Shoemaker was unreal to start the season. And even if he was healthy, even if he could have been a trade candidate as well, but he was a feel good story, battled his way back from injuries with the Angels, got to the big leagues, and was just dominating at the beginning of the year. And he was throwing so well in that start where he tore his ACL. That, for me, is where. The wind was kind of knocked out of the sails a little bit, but uh, it was temporarily put back in with all the Vladdy hype, and he's gotten a whole lot better, obviously, since his first few weeks here, and there's reason to be excited about Vlad, but the rest of the team, it just hasn't, other than guys like Eric Sogard and Justin Smoke, nobody else since then has done a whole lot of anything. So when you're not getting good pitching and you can't hit, you're going to see this kind of a record. <laughs> yeah.
0: So just to clarify, you're completely not pointing the finger at any one person, any management, or anything here. This is a complete team effort (laughs) in losing. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I I, I think so. I I do believe that uh, what Ross Atkins said today and his uh, media availability, they didn't think they'd be in this spot. I I don't think you or I thought they'd be as bad as they have been. I don't think we thought they were going to be overly good, maybe in a season where people were... Around their projections. They can uh, be around a 500 team. So I give them a slight pass there. I didn't think the Oscar would be this bad. I didn't think Luis Guriel Jr. would have gone back down to Buffalo uh, and be basically turned into a full-time outfielder. Um, Freddie Davis... Outfield, no, I'll give him that. He's looked quite comfortable out there, and if that's the case and he can play decent... Uh, or just not be a liability at short and second base, I think you've seen the role Lourdes Gurriel is going to have, primarily in the outfield, but in a pinch he can play short and second. And then I think you can pencil Kevin Biggio in for some right field and some second base, maybe some third base. So you're going to have a lot of versatility with those two guys. But uh, the injuries to the rotation and just guys just not performing like how you probably would have thought. Danny Jansen offensively hasn't been very good, been very impressive with the defense, as we continue to say. Um, guys like, uh, any, pretty much anybody, even Randall Gritchick hasn't been what I thought he would be either. So it sucks, but it is what it is when you uh, have a young and inexperienced team and guys who strike out a ton and don't get on base, this is what you get.
0: Yeah, and I, I think if we had to go back and listen to some of our preseason projection shows that we were doing there things to get excited about i think honestly we should record some of those and bring those on the next show <laughs>
1: i agree That's and not it's a called, bad oh idea my at God, all.
0: what the hell were we smoking
1: <laughs> i remember that one episode where we went over i believe it was fangrass projections they showed them around the diamond and we were surprised at how bad that they had ranked and projected some of them but maybe they were onto something with some of these guys so it'd be very interesting to go back, and I'm actually very down to do that. Go back and <laughs> recap what we were thinking of spring training, and even as far back as January, December time when the roster was starting to come together. That's a really good idea.
0: Almost have like a "Did I say that?" moment at the end of each year. Yeah, <laughs> I think that'd be. I think that'd be awesome. I am very down. Um, I'll have to make sure I get you all the recordings, and <laughs> so you can flip through them. <laughs> That's right. But, anyways, it, yeah, and I think the nail on the biggest thing here is the pitching fell off the wheel. And as they steered out of control, the rest of the team followed because obviously our good bullpen at that time is now eating more innings, which leads to the, that being a problem. And it's just a spiral effect. This team has unfortunately had inconsistency all across the board since a couple of injuries, and it hasn't really solidified into anything. The only thing you really can do in this whole lineup, roster for that matter is pencil in that you're gonna have Marcus Stroman pitch every fifth day and Justin Smoke is gonna play a solid first base. Everything else, yeah kinda of,
1: yeah. yeah. it's very true. Sanchez, you're not sure what you're gonna get. Giles at least has been really good. If I you have a lead I should have said Giles. Well, yeah, no, I know you were think, you were thinking of it. It just kinda uh, I I believe you. But, I was looking for uh, yeah, three, you know the baseball thing I guess. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, it's probably all the beer that we usually drink just tends to lead to some uh, to a little bit of memory loss. I do it I all. I believe the, time. the
0: family motto is "no brains, no headache."
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's exactly right. But yeah, now uh, Giles and Strowman and Smoke have probably been the three most consistent. You know what you're going to get from them. And honestly, those three are maybe not as much smoke. But Giles and Strowman probably won't be on this team much longer. Wouldn't be surprised if. They start getting traded, and some of these assets start getting traded as early as a few weeks from now. To Especially be when you hear that
0: the Cubs are like ready to just write a blank check for Craig Kimbrell. I, that, yep. that boggles my mind at all. I'm like, he can't be ready to go right now, and the Cubs are in the middle of a pennant race. You would think they would rather go for somebody like Ken Giles and yeah. trade a few assets and get somebody that's at least playing baseball <laughs> that's actually performing really well.
1: Now uh, Here's the thing that I think we should ask uh, whenever we get another guest on, whether it's Richard or uh, Corsair or whoever, and this could be a debate for an entire episode or a large amount of it. So we won't get into it today, maybe tease it for the upcoming times before the trades really start to happen, is at the deadline when you have guys who's pitching as well as Stroman and Giles so your two biggest assets to trade, are the Blue Jays still looking for quantity of prospects or are they looking for quality? Because I think at some point you got to start looking for quality. And if that's the case, you pack it, Strowman, and Giles together to get the best possible prospect back. Whereas I think there's an equal argument to be made for getting quantity to still fill as many holes as possible. Maybe not guys who are going to be studs or superstars or even stars, but guys who will be solid contributors across the minor league level. It's an interesting thing to think about. Yeah,
0: that's an interesting conversation that actually might be very well suited in a couple of weeks for when the the Major League Baseball draft guys start to fall into signing places or not signing places.
1: Yes, completely agree.
0: Because this draft class that we have has a hell of a spray and pray to places where the Blue Jays need depth. So... They'll fill in nicely, and maybe that quantity turns into quality because of something like that if you hit on most of these prospects and signings.
1: Yeah, I hope so. It's definitely possible if some of these guys do sign, uh, especially the top five, six, seven rounds who are uh, obviously quantity, maybe they start looking for quality at the trade (laughs) deadline. Do I have to go for another good
0: segue? I think I got one. (laughs) You got one. Go for it. Speaking of quality, <laughs> Griffin Conine has rejoined the Blue Jays organization after his 50 day uh, suspension for illegal substances. Still is sticking to the story, obviously, and I don't think it's anything that anybody should be digging into that he doesn't know what he took or whatever. But either way, he's still his time. Here he is. He's back. Seven games of the Lansing. Lug nuts, Brendan. Quality barely sums it up. <laughs>
1: Yeah, uh, more like a elite level production for uh, Lansing Lee, and for, uh, single A, yeah, <laughs> four sixty two, five hundred OEP one one nine two slugging percentage, four homers, nine RBI. He's been unreal. Every one of his
0: nine hits is a extra base hit, Brendan. Four home runs, like you said, but he's also got two doubles or, or three three doubles and two triples.
1: Yeah, <laughs> insane. He's been uh, he's been on fire, and it's great to see because he could start moving up quickly through the organization. Because he's still young; he's twenty one, born in ninety seven. But uh, for a team that's in desperate need of an outfielder to start stepping up and progressing, throughout at the minor league system, this is a welcome surprise. Or I, mean, I don't even know if I call it a surprise. Griffin Bonine always projected as a good bat, but uh, yeah, this is fun to watch. Yeah,
0: and after the. Apparently, and his bat was completely fine at the ten forty a.m. day on school day in Lansing today. His fourth <laughs> home run and went a mere two for three.
1: <laughs> yeah, fantastic! It's great so, that he got to show the kids, sh- uh, give the kids a show.
0: The son of Jeff Conine, the Barbarian, <laughs> uh, one of my favorite nicknames in all Major League Baseball lore. <laughs> Um, he is looking like nothing short of a monster and plays in a position of very very big need for the Toronto Blue Jays as a corner outfielder this is going to be something that could come on very very quick and they're going to just keep very quickly I think throwing challenges at Griffin Conine
1: yeah absolutely and as they should especially if you get off to this hot of a start you got to develop and you got to get him through the organization as quickly as possible, especially when you're thin in the outfield. But wouldn't surprise me if he gets himself up to Double A in a few weeks if he stays this hot because he is a little bit older. Uh, but at the same time, uh, yeah, I, I do think that we could see him up in A before long.
0: Yeah, I'm glad that our buddy Jesse goldberg Strassler is getting the pleasure of watching him bat in the three-hole in the last seven days because everything I've heard from anybody in Vancouver is Griffin Conine bat legit. <laughs> <laughs> so I just hope his, I've literally heard zero about how well he is in the outfield. But if a guy's hitting like this and just destroying baseballs at a pace like he is, this is a guy that's going to find a place to play in a major league baseball lineup. And this no. is the kind of fire we that would look hella good right now in what our lineup is starting to look like in the next
1: following years. So uh, you know it, man. Hopefully, we can pencil him in with, uh, with Vlad and Bo and uh, and Kevin as the uh, the kids with bloodlines who can still play in the uh, in the uh, big leagues and be that next core of uh, of solid Toronto Blue Jays.
0: There has got to be a cool nickname for what this team is turning into <laughs> with this bloodline stuff. And I don't want to just hear bloodlines. I know uh, Ryan DiFrancesco was talking about it on Twitter today, and what to do with the abbreviations. And I'm like, there's nothing. There's nothing fun with the like Whamco idea or something like that. No, it's no
1: vowels. It's all C's. There, <laughs> there There's a test for uh, people. Send us a voice message on what you want to call the next wave of these sons of former major leaguers. That would be a lot of fun to hear your opinions and your nicknames for these set of kids.
0: Yeah. It's not like in calling the four fathers or something. It's like four sons of fathers.
1: <laughs> so
0: um and that's like way too stupid and obvious or whatever, it doesn't make any some sense. How many drinks have I had?
1: <laughs> oh, you're getting all ready for the Raptor game. Yeah. That's what you're doing. There it is. Game on <laughs>
0: So uh, to, to wrap it up, Brendan, um, I wanted to start doing this every week, and I think we've done it a couple of times, and I think it's just a fun way to wrap up the week and check ourselves every week. We didn't do it last week, so I got nothing to check up with, and we'll do this with our guests too. Who do you think is going to be the pick-to-click for the B- Blue Jays in the next following week? Pick one.
2: Uh,
1: that's a good one because it's uh, kind of tough to pick anybody at this point. That's why uh, is going to be um,
0: fun and insulting every week.
1: Yeah, no, exactly, and I want to pick a pitcher because I think I've taken an offensive player every single week so far that we've done it. So depending right now, on I think we're even played. at
0: two two basically because we've each gotten I, a guy that's done well.
1: <laughs> I think so. I think so. Because the I, first you know week what? you
0: did, it, I think you you picked Vladdy, which that was yeah. the week I think he won the AL Player of the Week, and then I yep. picked Trent Thornton. He got his first win and another really really solid start that week. And I don't remember what the other one was, but. Either way, I think we're even at this point, and I yeah. guess we're going to have to start keeping tally.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think so, and at the end of the year, we'll total it up, and uh, the winner gets a prize or something like that.
0: Yeah, we'll do you and me versus each other versus the guest, so it'll be a three, the guest pool Yeah. We'll get.
1: <laughs> I like <laughs> okay. that. I like that idea. So, you know anyway, now that I'm I've gonna... stalled
0: and given you enough time to pick... <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, I've been actually pleasantly happy with the way Clayton Richard has looked. So I know he may only get one start before we record again, but uh, I'm gonna go Clayton Richard going out there on Sunday and throwing a good game against Arizona.
0: Now I'm gonna call it for at least for that. We'll call it a week. So <laughs> <Sure.
1: You laughs> the last two week starts. he
0: had one start, so I'll get two starts. So he's already off. You're already halfway there on that one. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> cheater. <laughs> I'm gonna go with a slightly more wild card. And I think you're going to kind of jaw drop on me about this, but I have been looking at some stats that shows that Danny Jansen might be the most unlucky hitter in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. And I'm thinking his bat might finally carry his, his, uh, uh, I can't remember where I was, if I was on fan fan graphs or if I was somewhere else online during my lunch hour today, but um, more or less over the last couple of weeks his like batted balls in play was like 400, but he's batting like a buck 30. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he has been incredibly, incredibly unlucky, and he's still hitting the ball really hard. It just hasn't found the holes for him. So I, I love that pick, and you know I love Danny Jansen. So any mention of him, my ears perk right up.
0: Yeah, it's, I think it's just gotten to that point where he's so comfortable behind the plate that the bat is going to start carrying a little bit of weight. I don't think we're going to see what we saw in the flash last year for the whole season, but for the rest of this season, I think we could see some of that.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with you.
0: Final thoughts, my friend?
1: Honestly, I just want to see them be somewhat competent until we record next week. They're going to have a few tough assignments coming up with Arizona in town. I believe, for all fans who want to go see the Diamondbacks, I'm going on Saturday, but I really wanted Granke to be pitching Saturday. I believe he's going Friday against Marcus Stroman. So if you're free... You go show up for Granky and Strowman and leave in time to watch the Raptor game at 9 o'clock, you can probably see the majority of their start, but uh, and they also probably, I think they face Robbie Ray, who strikes out a ton of batters on Sunday. Just look competent. Score a few runs. Maybe the pitching can get on a little bit of a roll, and you can maybe see the kind of a week that they had when they were in Minnesota and in, in Oakland, when they just looked really, really good for a little while. So, I don't know. I actually think they end up winning tonight. Maybe they actually have a winning homestand. So I'm going to call that. I'm going to call the next time we record. We'll be talking about a winning homestand.
0: Shock and awe, man.
1: <laughs> right? <laughs> if not,
0: they will find you drunk on the flight deck. Uh, yeah. I didn't say in. I said on.
1: <laughs> yes, I'm going tomorrow night too. So probably not tomorrow night, but on Saturday when I'm there with a, a few people. Yeah, if they are not playing well and we have this voice recording to look back on, then yeah, you'll find me a little hammered.
0: All right. So, I have my final thought and I'm just going to say happy Ferris Bueller's day off day. <laughs> <laughs> so, can he he can He, he can. he can it, he swing better. <laughs> so, good times had by all and yeah, Brennan, it's been fun as always.
1: Yeah, this has been a good show and once again, I can't say enough for everybody who listened to our last show. I think it was one of our more popular ones we've ever done. So, thank you. Listen Subscribe, rate, and send us a voice message. We appreciate all the listens and the support.
0: Yeah, hit us up. We're here to talk, and we actually would love to have somebody on the show, so please hit us up on those voice messages. things go well, maybe we'll send out an invite in your general direction, and we'll see what happens. It's good times.
1: Absolutely. I don't want to have to keep on offering up free beer to you you people who keep on always wanting to take advantage of me, but I may have to do it again.
0: (laughs) There's only so much whoring we can do out. on our own here. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, and then we start looking desperate and nobody's gonna wanna listen.
0: No funds. Um, but until next week, Brendan, uh here's hoping that Vladdy Junior gets to play in the home run derby and the Blue Jays win some ball games. Yes,
1: sir. That would be lovely.
0: So Blue Jays fans, thank you very much for listening to the Jaybird Watching Podcast. I am Craig Borden, Brendan Panikar here with you as always. And do not forget to hit those subscribe buttons on iTunes, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasting pleasures. And we will be back back next week. Until then, let's go Blue Jays.
1: Let's go Blue Jays.
2: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant.